The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. My guest this week is stand-up comedian Pete Lee, who was the first stand-up ever to receive a standing ovation on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, and subsequently has appeared three more times on the show. And he's known for being a positive comedian, which initially I was a little bit skeptical of because I thought, you know, aren't roasts and low blows sort of the go-to for stand-up? But... Turns out, once I met Pete, I realized that, you know, you clearly don't need those things in order to be hilarious because he's one of the funniest people I've ever spoken with. And he's also just so charming, so sweet, so kind, so thoughtful, and is really just the perfect guest for me to have on the bright side because he fully embodies everything that the show is about. So Pete and I recorded a few days before LA went into lockdown. And since then, a lot has transpired in his life that's very interesting. Um, So we wanted to have a catch-up post-quarantine, or now that we're getting back to real life a little bit, just to kind of see where things left off with Pete, how things have changed since the last time we spoke. So today's episode is going to happen in two parts, and I hope that you all will really love it. I think you'll love Pete. He's got a, a very optimistic attitude at a time when I think we all need a little bit of laughter and optimism and positivity. So I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hi guys, welcome back to The Bright Side. My guest today is Pete Lee, a comedian who you may have seen on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, on his show This Week at the Comedy Cellar, on Comedy Central, and his podcast, Snuggle Storm. Snuggle Storm, yeah. I think we're going to have to begin there. Yeah, my girlfriend Jamie, she's a psych nurse practitioner, and uh, I originally started the podcast just as my own project, so like, imagine that it's it's like this po- this podcast, and then she's just sitting over on the couch. And we're talking about psych stuff and she's just sitting there going, I have so much to contribute, but I don't want to be on microphone. I feel nervous to be on mic. I don't want to do this. And then finally she just gets, she just comes over. She's like, can you plug in this extra mic? Cause I, she's like, you're saying it all wrong. And Uh, you, she basically was like, I need to correct you. I think that 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 happened. That's actually the case for me sometimes too, that I feel really nervous. You're kind of camera shy or you're shy of being on a mic. And then once you get, once you're in the space long enough, you just come around to it and then you get the ball rolling and you're good. Yeah. Do you warm up to it each time or does it, is it like, does it come in waves? Um, that like on camera anxiety or anything? I'll tell you on camera now. I not at all. I have no anxiety whatsoever. It's just become at first I was always watching everything that I was saying Mm -hmm. and you know, you never want to say the wrong thing. And now I just don't give a shit because you know what? They only you're filming for hours and they Mm. use like two minutes of it. So what I've realized is they're not going to use the parts where you were stumbling over what you were saying or whatever. They don't, you know, they only use the real juicy stuff. Yeah. So it doesn't matter most of the time anyway. And you're spending two hours anxious, worried about what you're going to say when it's like, you know. And then you're like, it's not even a problem. I, well, I'll, we were talking a little bit before the podcast and I want to um, get to that, that like I, my girlfriend would watch the Hills and I would be like, I'd be like, what, what is this stuff? And I'm not like an overly masculine guy or anything like that, but still that part of me that's like a Midwestern dumbass was like, well, I don't know if I'm going to watch this. And then I sat like, I was like, well, I'll just, I'll watch it if you're going to watch it. And then within two minutes I was sucked in and you're my favorite character because you're like, no, you, no, you are because you're so sunny and optimistic. And I just, that really, yeah, it resonated with me. Wow. Like right that's off the bat. So very flattering. I don't want to like fanboy over you, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, I, I think you're the first fanboy I've ever had. Really? All right. All right. I mean, I am yeah, a little bit older. So I'm a fan man. Did you watch the original show? <laughs> um, no. Well, yeah, actually, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I watched the-, the original one. Um, <laughs> I, not with this girlfriend, but I had an ex ex girlfriend that watched it, and so I watched the original one. And um, the original was good. I was a fan of the original too. And you'll have to. We're just recording, or we just started taping the second season of The Hills New Beginnings. So yeah. I promise this one's going to be a lot juicier because oh. now half the cast is single. So it's like a whole new world of opportunities for everyone on the show. So you can tell Jamie. Yeah. She's got a lot to look forward to. She's, she's going to be so excited that you just said her name. She <laughs> loves you so much. That's uh, so cute. That's yeah. really sweet. The, and I um, wish you brought her. That would have uh, been fun. Yeah, I wish that I would have brought her. She's helping patients right now. It's 
it's so weird in our household on a daily basis because, you know, like I'm a comedian, so I'm writing jokes and I'm editing videos and I'm doing all this fun, happy stuff. And then she's talking to somebody via telepsych that is like having a schizophrenic episode and is like just going through the hardest stuff imaginable. And like, I, it's almost, her job is almost like doing customer service, but with somebody that needs meds. Yeah, you need to explain what telepsych is because yeah. I don't, I'm not familiar. So telepsych, imagine that there was, you know, like a, a Mac computer here and uh, somebody will like Skype in and uh, there's a lot of places in California that just don't have access to mental health care. Okay. Uh, a lot of counties don't even have like a psych nurse practitioner or a psychiatrist in their county. So they will actually go to a medical center, like a hospital, and then they connect uh, them to Jamie. So they make a they make an appointment, and then they call her. That's so interesting. And they, she does like a full psych assessment. And I guess uh, like with all the coronavirus and stuff, you know, like all that, uh, that's going to become more and more popular over the next coming months. I can imagine. Okay. We have yeah. a game here on the show where we talk about something that's a ne- negative happening in the world mm-hmm. and make our guest put a positive spin on it. Yeah. Just because obviously the point of the podcast is to be optimistic. Yeah. Let's let's bounce around. Um, I love it. Okay. Rain in LA. And for those of you who don't know, it never rains in LA and it's raining right now. So that's yeah, it's Yeah. Um, it's really rain. I love it when it rains in LA because the city gets a bath. Like, you know when... Uh, like I don't know how many people that <laughs> That's listen. A good to, point. The whole city gets a shower, and this city needs a shower so bad. It really L- does. Like you go, like if you go on, you know, like any tourism site, and you, you know, you look into LA, uh, or just like the concept of LA, or you watch LA on TV, or like on your show, you go, oh my god, it's like swimming pools and movie stars, and you know, just a celebrity around every corner. But it's also like like weird stains on the sidewalk and like stabby meth people. (laughs) (laughs) On the bright side. Yeah, on the bright side. See, even I make meth people, uh, I'm like, they're stabby. (laughs) (laughs) They're cute. (laughs) They're just cute and stabby. Yeah, no, but you know what? I realized that too because even my patio over time, it just will have kind of like gunk that gets stuck to it when because it's so dry and pleasant all the time here mm-hmm. but you're right it's like all gets washed away in the rain and it's amazing it's like a fresh start i went to home depot and i bought a pressure washer so that i could pressure wash our balcony furniture so that we could actually sit out there i need one of those yeah i feel i've never felt more like a middle-aged man than when i <laughs> like i the joy that i feel pressure washing this patio <laughs> furniture is just amazing um but i didn't we live above a restaurant and the first time that I went out there and I was pressure washing, I didn't realize that there are people sitting oh, out on the patio. God. And I just heard, I heard a ruckus is what I will call it. <laughs> I heard a ruckus and I was like, "Why? What? what's going on down there? And I live in West Hollywood, so there's always a ruckus. So I was like, all right, just regular ruckus. But I didn't realize that I was causing a lot of people to get very wet. Uh, that and, is so funny. Um, I, w- I looked over the balcony and it was like, a bu- it was warm. It was in the summer when I first got this. And um, it was like, like a bunch of gay dudes and tank tops and stuff. And they kind of liked it, but <laughs> I, so I didn't want to tell them that it was like what it was. gross, dirty <laughs> pollution water, but they were, they were into it. So I mean, I they're already in them. West Hollywood, so yeah. they're probably okay with it, right? <laughs> they're down. Yeah. If they're, if they're floating around uh, that neighborhood, they're down for some bacteria at some point in their day. It's yeah. so funny. Um, okay, and apparently we consider being on a reality show uh, a negative that needs a positive spin put on it. So what would you say for that one? I don't know. Um, I've been on a reality show. I was on uh, Last Comic Standing. Uh, I no way. For two seasons. I was on season two. Or no, I was on season six and uh, briefly on two. But they then, let you. They let you do more than one. Yeah, because I didn't win. <laughs> it was. You must uh, have been pretty good if they let you back. I was pretty good. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was young and cutesy when I did it, and um, I don't know. It's like I don't know how you're. Ex- I feel like you're the reality show that you're on is much better than those ones. Right, but it's not a competition. Yeah, show. like they would wake us up early after not having any sleep, and then they wouldn't feed us, and we would just be. We'd be like growling zoo tigers, and then, um, and then they would just like cause a controversy. And I'm not good with conflict, especially like public conflict and on camera conflict. You know, they do that on purpose because that's what they want. They want people feeling testy for the show. Yeah, and so one day uh, we were out in Vegas filming the semifinals, and they put us in a room where there were 17 people, or no, there's 34 people in 17 chairs. 
So like most of us had to sit on the floor and we were there for like most of the day. And then my, um, my ex, she was there with her mom and they were just up at the pool drinking Coronas. And I was like, I think I want to go up there and drink those Coronas <laughs> with them. Like that sounds way better than this. So I just was like, I was like, I got to go to the bathroom. And they're like, well, the bathroom's down the hallway. I was like, I just, I need my, my wet wipes. Cause like, I'm really sensitive and like you guys know that that's part of my shtick is, you know, I'm sensitive and it's true and I need my wet wipes. So then as soon as I turned the corner, I just left and went back to my room, put on my swimsuit and I went to the pool and then I got kind of loaded. And then I came back at six when we actually had to film. And, um, and then they were like, well, you won't be advancing because you're a wild card. Oh, they called me a wild card. <laughs> Damn. I, was, I remember for a second I was like, I was like, that's terrible. I don't want to be a wild card. Like that sounds really bad. I don't want to get a bad reputation, but like I've always wanted to be a little more dangerous. So, <laughs> so I'm cute. so psyched that I'm a wild card. Yeah, there you and, go. But that wow. Was, that was a couple why. of coronas yeah. at the pool. That's so interesting though to hear an experience from another reality show because you're right. It is mm -hmm. very different. At least for us, they pretend like they want to take good care of us. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, we're gonna get you guys food. And but you know what? They don't give us the food until hours into filming. And they always have the alcohol immediately available. Uh -huh. So it's like they're taking care of us, but in their own, you know, in their own way to their advantage. So that's yeah. kind of a, I actually had to demand a, a McDonald's Egg McMuffin the other day on set because I, had, I hadn't eaten anything. And they're just like, tequila, tequila, tequila. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to die. You're like, I'm, phys I'm literally going to die. I remember there was a... There was like a really boozy scene from your show at Hamburger Mary's. Um, I know. I missed that day. Yeah, you weren't there. So I hated it. I know. I and didn't they think, scene. didn't the girls know? <laughs> <laughs> the only scene you remember. Yeah. <laughs> uh, didn't, they, didn't they say that the girls didn't think that I was really sick? They thought that I was like, just didn't want to hang out with them or something. Yeah, I felt very upset and protective of you. Thank I, you. I appreciate it. I was talking back Wait to Wait till you see this season. Really? They're pretty mean to me. Oh. Yeah. I don't yeah. like that. I'm gonna write a letter. I'm, I'm doing gonna, okay. I'm gonna write a handcrafted, Thank you. I would old fashioned business letter. Maybe you can write one for me today, and I'll just bring it with me to set. Yeah. I'm like, guys, <laughs> I've got at least one person in my corner. Be like, yeah. Be like, Caitlin is excused from the hike. <laughs> <laughs> well, the hike is the hikes with Whitney, and Whitney's the best. So I don't oh, know yeah. if you're familiar with Whitney, but she's like my favorite person to film with. So yeah, I really I like her today. too. If you like her, I like her. Okay, cool. Um, I like that. <laughs> so I want to get into what the reason that I originally wanted to have you here, which yeah. was that you are known for being a positive comedian, yeah. which I think is so cool because that's so rare. I like being joyful. I don't like being cynical. And I feel like there's, um, I feel like there's a big hole in the market right now. You know, not that, not that standup comedy is, you know, uh, you know, a market or, you know, like just a business, but I don't know. That's the way that I see the world. I tried doing negative comedy for a while and it just like, it just did not work out. Like I, when I first moved to New York, all the comics were super negative. It was like depression is the truth. Negativity is the truth. And it's not that I don't struggle with that kind of stuff. It's just the, like, I feel like when people come to a show, they just want to escape from all that, you know, for just a little bit. So I always want to, I always want to just bring people together and like have a good time and you know, like you hear it on the news all the time. It's probably why you don't watch the news. Like everybody's like a nation divided. And, mm -hmm. uh, and so like, I just want to bring together people in a room and like, don't think about what divides you. I just want to bring people together. And, um, I don't know. I just, I like being happy. And, um, and then Jimmy Fallon found me and then like his fans are the same way where like, they just love that stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, finally, I found my groove. I found my people. And it's funny when when those people come out to a crowd, it could be like the most cynical group of people in New York City. And they will be like, like my audience members, like the joyful ones will like infect all the angry people yeah. with their happiness. And people walk out so happy, like all my opening acts, all the people at the clubs are like, man, when you come, they're good tippers. Oh, no way. Everybody's in a good mood and you're like, everybody's nicer. And um, that's I'm so like, interesting. It's like an unofficial little experiment you've got going on there. Like what are the, what's the outcome of the overall positivity? Yeah, it's, I, I, I think that it's good. I mean, I think the positivity is infectious and, you know, I try like my, my comedy is very real. It's emotional, you know, um, mm -hmm. I'm talking about real stuff. Um, 
I feel like you wouldn't be, this is obviously the way that you see the world also. Like you try to have an optimistic outlook on life anyway, because otherwise you wouldn't be able to write what you're writing. Yeah. I I mean, the the guy that I'm kind of being self-deprecating about on stage is the voice that I'm fighting against in my head all day long. You know, like the guy that wants to wave goodbye to the Uber driver and is like, no, Pete, don't do that. Really? It's not cool. Yeah, like all your friends are gonna cute. Yeah, like I want to be like, bye, drive safe. Text me when you get home. (laughs) You know, like like I I care about you. We bonded. Uh, I'm gonna download your uh, your rap album from SoundCloud. You know. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, Do you ever write jokes that aren't positive or are darker, and then you're like, damn, this is so good, but I can't use it. Yeah. I, a lot of times I'll, my best friend is this comedian named Nikki Glazer, and I'll call her up and go, hey, can you use this? I know this? who she is. Oh, yeah. there you go. Oh, you know what? That's the thing. I have a few friends who are comedians yeah. and, um, or write for them. Yeah. And that is actually a good point is like some, a lot of the jokes that you don't use, you could pass on to someone else. Yeah. I've, I have it so many times where I'll call up a friend that's just got like a very dark sense of humor and I'm like, I'm like, can you use this? Do you want to do this? Mm-hmm. Um, I totally can't do that ever. You can't pull it off. Well, because I mean, like, I have a few jokes that are a little bit edgy, or there's there's some there's some ways where you can figure out how to take uh, like a really edgy joke and then make it cute. Okay. Um, uh, like I can I I specialize in doing that, but there are some jokes that just if you launch them out in the middle of a set and you've established a reputation with the crowd that you're a nice guy, and then you drop one of those jokes. Right. All of a sudden, all of your credibility for the rest of the set. No one can trust you anymore. Yeah, they don't trust you. It's just gone. Um, I guess that's kind of true. It's like if you have your character, then that's what people expect from you, and they don't want to – Yeah. They don't want you to go anywhere else. I recently wrote kind of a dirty joke, or it's like a cute dirty joke, and then I figured out how to put it in there. Can we hear it? Um, Yeah, so – like I, I have a lot of, um, you know, I live in the gay community and I have a lot of like jokes that I feel like uh, empower the gay community instead of like tearing them down. I don't like, I don't want to, um, I don't want ever want to put anybody down, but um, I have a joke about where I talk about how uh, I don't know what it's like, you know, for like gay people to grow up gay, but like I do know what it's like to just be called gay every day um, <laughs> of my life. And I'm like, and I, I talk about how, if you get called gay every single day, like you look into it, you know? <laughs> and, um, and I was like, and I watched one of the videos on the internet and I was like, no, I'm really, I really do not like that doesn't force a tingle, you know, like, <laughs> like it's not good. And, uh, and I go, I go, I gotta be honest. I, I was like, I, I don't even like to wipe off the elliptical when I'm done with it. And then I like kind of do that. Motion. Oh my God. And that was the dirty joke. And like the crowds go nuts for that. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, but that's not pushing it too far, but you feel I like, feel like that's kind of dirty and edgy. Yeah. And, and I'm like, uh, but it's, it's kind of funny. because like you and you're the, that's you as the wild card. That's me as the, like total wild card being like, I don't even like to wipe off the elliptical. And I'm like, do you guys ever feel weird? I'm like, sometimes I just like fold the wipe into a point and then I do small circles, <laughs> you know? And then I'm like, but I respect you. You know, I respect <laughs> the whole community and, uh, the crowd loves it. You know, they, um, they love, uh, I think that they like that, that I, I like put a little dash of cayenne pepper into the set. Yeah, you know? yeah. You don't want to play it too safe. Yeah. Yeah. But. Um, okay, so I saw that you write for Duck Dynasty. So at some point we have to get into that. Maybe we'll just do yeah. that right now. Um, I love that show. Yeah. What is it like writing for that? Are the people, are the cast really like that in real life? Yeah. Well, Give I, us some juice. I got involved. Uh, so the, the show is done now, but I got involved towards the tail end of the last season. Okay. Because uh, one of my friends is one, he was one of the executive producers, and he was like, he's like, you know, you can write to a lot of different points of view, and he's like, he's like, we need, uh, we need some punchlines for Uncle Sai. Like Uncle Sai uh-huh. was like the dirty old man that like he's the best character. He was the best character, and he honestly was like a very sensitive guy. Like he went hunting with poodles because they're the best hunting dog. Um, you know, he, like he, he was a total redneck, but like, he's also a guy that would take a bubble bath and then tell everybody about it. And yeah. so I was like, yeah, he's like, a real character. Yeah. I was like, I feel like I know exactly how to write for this guy. And then, um, that led to writing for a spinoff show, which was like a clip show called going Cyril. And that was a blast because like uncle Cy had never seen the internet. 
So <laughs> he had never seen the internet. He had never seen any viral clips. So we just basically took like all the viral clips that everybody has been watching forever and then showed them to him and it blew his mind. <laughs> and so I would write like 10 punchlines for each clip and then I would like, we would just be like feeding him those punchlines and stuff. And, um, yeah, it was, it was amazing to like ha just get this guy's honest reaction and then give him punchlines that he could do with it. And it was really fun. Yeah. He almost is the type of person where it's like, you can just let him kind of go and it's going to be some kind of gold, right? Yeah. He, He's amazing. I mean, I haven't written for very many people, but, um, that guy was the best at delivering punchlines that I've ever seen for somebody who's not a comedian. Did like, you go to school for writing or like how did you get into that? Um, I went to school. I went to ad school. So I was like an advertising copywriter for oh, a little okay. while. So that's kind of how I learned how to write, you know, like very short, succinct things. But I'd been doing stand-up comedy the whole time, you know, that I was in college. And um, so I don't know, like I in a way I went to school for it. I took a, a comedy class when I was at the University of Minnesota. Um, Garrison Keeler, you know, like the Prairie Home Companion radio and PR guy was. Okay. The, uh, I he, mean, I know Prairie Home Companion. Yeah. Garrison Keeler, like you shouldn't really know who he is uh, if you're below the age of like 75. Right. <laughs> but my mom just loved him. Like she would listen to Prairie Home Companion every single morning. And so I took this class called Comedy Text and Theory and then the professor shows up and it's Garrison Keillor because I went to the University of Minnesota and that's where he lived and did the, the show. My brother just got his um, PhED at University of Minnesota. For real? Yeah. It's a great went show. went there for his graduation. Oh, it's a great, great show. It's a great show. It's a great. <laughs> it's a beautiful it's, school. It's a beautiful I went up there for school. his graduation and it was really nice. But anyway, continue. That's, that school is so beautiful like yeah. two months a year. It's so cold. <laughs> I was there in the summer. It's so, so. absolutely cold. It's <clears> like um, it like – I remember when I moved there, it was negative 42 with wind chill for a month straight. And I was like, this is awful. Yeah, it wasn't and like a coincidence that I never managed to visit him until graduation. <laughs> yeah, I, you did the right thing. You're, you're like, it's not that I don't but love But it you. was beautiful when I was there, which was like June. So, yeah. yeah, June, uh, July, so beautiful. Mm -hmm. uh, August, actually very beautiful. September, towards the end of September, it can snow. Right. And that's insane. That's insane. I remember I got there and uh, it we had a blizzard on October 18th. And I was like, this is not okay. Yeah. What, why didn't I go to Florida Yeah, what State? the hell? What yeah. was that called? <laughs> I don't know. I just, I was like, I was like, oh, I heard it's a great comedy town and I want to do comedy. And, and I ended up starting comedy there and I have a good comedy career. So I guess it worked. But um, yeah, just a frozen tundra of. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about edgy jokes. I have a joke that I do um, when I'm in Minnesota because like when you get into your car and it's that cold, like because you have to walk from your house to your car and you're so bone chilling cold that you're like, and you feel like hatred, like you feel. And so I have a joke that I do. I grew up in New Hampshire, so I'm not like okay, too so unfamiliar. Know. Yeah. Okay. Yes. All right. Um, so you, you know, but mm -hmm. like. Like you get in your car and you're doing that like oh, while the car is <laughs> You have to up. make you the obligatory noises you have to make when yeah, you get like, in. To to <laughs> and so I do have a joke that I do that's kind of edgy where I go, I go, it's so cold in Minnesota that like for a second when you get into your car, you understand ISIS. <laughs> like oh just the level of hate that you could have. <laughs> so I don't know. Wow. I know. Oh. I know. Edgy. Edgy that guy. Is, yeah. That is close to the edge. Yeah. You're looking at me like I'm on a motorcycle right now. <laughs> this is, I'm a bad you guy. You really, yeah. You caught me off guard with yeah, that one. Yeah. Hmm. It's, uh, you didn't think I'd be sneaking <laughs> well, in that Well, moving reference. on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ISIS is not normally a topic of conversation yeah, on the bright side. And they're so bad. Let's... They're bad. And uh, we don't endorse them. And um, we don't Certainly want, not. no. Certainly not. Yeah. So. Um, on a bright note what is your go-to song in the morning that will automatically make you happy oh um anything from the hamilton soundtrack i'm a huge ham fan what is up with that okay so Are the people... last guest no but like broadway in general like the last guest we had on said a, a song from dream girls really yeah Okay, because huh. and I'm writing it down because we um, I have a Spotify Spotify playlist mm -hmm. that I add each of our guests' favorite songs. So you're gonna have to tell me which song specifically. Um, but I would say uh, nonstop. It's kind of a mashup of all the songs from Hamilton, and it's mid. It's literally midway through. Um, it's the start of the second act, and 
It's funny. My I girl, haven't even seen Hamilton. Oh my God, you're going to love it. So <laughs> great. And the music is so good. And it like imagine if you just had never experienced like music from like the 80s and 90s, like all of it. And then all of a sudden you heard all the best songs. You'd be like, this is insane. That's what's going to happen to you when you see Hamilton. It's okay. Your, it's a collection of, I think it's like 42 songs that are amazing. How have I been missing this? It's great. Okay. It, yeah. Well, you've sold me. My girlfriend rips on me because she's she's into like, you know, hard rock and metal. And like, she's a huge Tool fan. And she's like, how aren't you into masculine music? And I'm like, what's more masculine than the founding fathers <laughs> <laughs> singing in Hamilton? I cannot wait to watch. Yeah. This. I, well, that's a good one. Because I just think for me, music is something that um, if I'm not feeling happy when I wake up in the morning, the second I put music on, I've got a playlist of all these songs that just get me in a, in a good mood. And it works every time. What are your songs? What do you like? Um, you know what? They change all the time, but, um, do you know the group Glass Animals? I don't, but. See, I like kind of funky music, so I don't know if Mm -hmm. if any of these are songs that you'd be familiar with, but they have a song called Gooey. All right. Now I'm, (laughs) I'm going to create a list. You got it. Well, you can just follow this one because it's on, you know, it's on Spotify. Okay. It's called Rose Colored Glasses. Rose Colored Glasses. And soon, nonstop from the Hamilton soundtrack will be on there, so. I've, It'll be your one-stop shop for your morning music. Music is is really a it's a drug. I mean, it it alters your mind. It takes like if you have if you wake up with negative wavelengths, it can completely change the wavelength of your brain. It's absolutely amazing. It's like taking an antidepressant. I think it something. actually does for me because I'm telling you, I you know have. Over the course of the last six months, I've been through all kinds of relationship ups and downs. And I've honestly thought to myself, if I couldn't get in my car and put on music and drive around and just like sing and listen to it, I don't know what else I would do. Like, I think I would be freaking out all the time. It really helps me so much. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think that's why, um, uh, I think that's why I, I love Hamilton so much. I was going through a divorce and I found Hamilton. One of my friends to cheer me up. See, um, isn't that so interesting? It's yeah. like one of the, you find music when you're in those really dark moments. And it's still something that if I'm if I'm just feeling low, I I can turn it on and it just dials me into this wavelength and I, it changes everything. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. Ugh. I'm sorry that you've been going through that stuff. <laughs> no, thank you. But it's it, okay. No, we're, I'm good now, and I had my music, so my yeah. music got me through. Um, but speaking of, of, uh, kind of darker, bad, or like not as happy experiences, I do believe that all of those bad experiences have a silver lining. Have you had, I mean, we were just talking about your divorce, which I'm sorry to hear you went through. Um, have you ever had a bad experience that you feel like in the end there was a positive that came from it? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know, like the, you know, I don't talk about the, the specifics of my divorce because my my ex wife is a yeah, person and, and I don't want to disparage, but <laughs> certainly um, don't need to here. But you know, it's it is one of those things where sometimes you're with someone and in the moment you're like, God, why can't I make this work? Or why is this bad? Or like, you know, why is why do, is the divorce so painful? And then um, you get out of that and you realize, oh my God, we weren't a good fit for each other. Mm-hmm. It wasn't right. Um, it's not her fault. It's not my fault. Yeah. And then you, you like, so my girlfriend, I found her and I couldn't even, I couldn't even imagine if I was still living the life that I was living while I was married. You know, like I, I was so unhappy, uh, you know, in that life. And now I feel so happy in like almost every facet of my life. And my girlfriend and I have the best conversations we have so much fun together. It's like I wouldn't have found her, you know, and, yeah. and not that you need somebody else to complete you. You know, I've been through a lot of therapy and I know that you have to be whole mm-hmm. in order to m- like merge with someone else that's also already whole and blah, 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 And that's blah, how blah. you have the kind of relationship that you now have. Yeah. Because you did that work. Yeah. Um, what is one thing that always cheers you up no matter how bad your day has been? Oh, man. Uh Probably surfing. Like I, I just got, I got really into surfing within the last year. Really? Where and, do you like to surf? Uh, I surf in Malibu at the Malibu Farms Pier right there. Oh, you um, do? Yeah, I love. First point. Yeah, first point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I lived in Malibu for the last six years, so I'm fairly familiar. Although I only surfed one time mm-hmm. in the middle of summer because it's way too cold the rest of the year. Yeah. So you get points for commitment because that's like 
I just, yeah, I just brought this new wetsuit called a furnace. It's got no. it's like fleece lined. It's called the Billabong furnace. <laughs> this thing is so warm. I uh, I go out and surf in the dead of winter, and it's so great. Really? But uh, yeah, like I, I surf uh, Santa Monica at Bay Street, which is more of like a beginner spot. And then I'll go to I'll go to First Point, but like all the people there are so good. Are they? They're so good at First Point. I kind of thought First Point was somewhat of a beginner spot. Maybe it depends on where you position yourself yeah, in the lineup. There's two different breaks, and right. I usually surf the littler ones. But maybe I don't even know like good surfing. Maybe I haven't surfed like the crazy amazing spots. But like all the guys there, they seem so aggressive and like. I'll be taking off for a wave, but they're just so good at paddling into them and they will just like, just like run over you and get on the wave. I mean, I think that in, especially around LA, it's just so competitive to get a wave that you end up with people who actually are just really good out there. Cause other people just give up. Yeah. There's, um, yeah. I mean, I'm still, I'm to the point where I can catch most of the waves that I try to paddle into Wow. and I feel so proud of that. But then like, I can only do it if someone pushes me in. Oh. I can stand up though. Like I get up on the board every time, but if I need someone to push me into the wave. But that's fine. That's how you start. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly how you start is you you have the instructor stand, you know, at a break and then they push you into it because mm-hmm. I mean, paddling into waves is the it's hardest exhausting. part. It's so hard. I was out uh, uh, not last night, but the night before and I was so tired and it was getting really dark and it was a f- like a full moon and you could like see the moon on the ocean Oh, it was that's so amazing. beautiful. But that's also when the sharks eat people is when they're still out on the water when the sun has set. And But there were still like 20 of us out there. And oh. I was like, all right, I'm exhausted. I shouldn't be out here right now. I didn't know that about the sharks. Yeah, sharks kind of eat dinner when we eat dinner. And so you don't want to be out on the water. Uh, but on the bright side... Um, <laughs> I caught I caught like the last like big wave in and then I rode it all the way into shore. And oh, that's epic. I rode it for so long that um that my fins actually like got caught on these rocks and I have like tiny little scrapes on them. That's how far I rode this wave. So that's awesome. It was like a full football field that I rode this wave. Wow. And I was just under the full moon. Under the full moon. And then I took my board up to the little shower area. And I was so exhausted that I couldn't get my furnace off. I couldn't get the wetsuit off because <laughs> I just needed because all I had to do is pull it over my shoulder and I couldn't get it like from shoulder to elbow. Because yeah. once you do that, you can get the whole thing off. And so there was this like really cool guy that was in the water that was like catching all the waves. And uh, he was like winning the jawline Olympics. Like, you know, one of those guys that's was like it Laird Hamilton. I don't He looked like he could be Laird's son. Laird. Okay. And uh, <laughs> this guy was, he was like, he was so good at surfing. And the whole time I was just trying to get out of this guy's way. And then this guy was the last guy out of the water after me. And so I had to be like, Hey man, um, I can't, I'm so exhausted. That I can't get out of my wetsuit. And could you please, no, I was like, could you please peel me? <laughs> And he was like, oh, man, I've been there. He goes, how long have you been surfing? And I was like, honestly, just this year. And he's like, you caught a pretty big wave at the end. That's really impressive. And he's like, Aww, he goes, this is going to be you. a lifelong sport for you. And, That's uh, awesome. and I was like, thank you. Like, it's like a meditation being out there, right? On the mm-hmm. water and you're like one with nature. Yeah. It, it And you, there's no phones. You can't have your phone okay. out there. You can't have anything. You 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 basically stash your car key on top of your, you know, your truck tire. And hope and, for the best. Yeah, and hope that your car's there when you come back. <laughs> you know, I used to go watch Brody uh, surf in the early in the morning, and usually early in the morning the dolphins are out too. So mm-hmm. I would see them just because they play in the waves. They actually surf them themselves, and they love to be so around cool. humans. Mm-hmm. I know they're such special animals. It's so cool to be around them, and um, every once in a while, like a sea lion or a sea otter will come and swim by you. And my friend Ryan's like, "Get out! That's shark food." Like, oh, yeah, yeah. As soon as you start seeing food. those, you're like, you don't want yeah, to be in water with them. done. Get out. Um, well, before we wrap up, I want to give you an opportunity because one of the um, purposes, one of the reasons that I wanted to start this podcast was to have a positive effect on other people's lives. And so I like to give each of my guests a chance to share if there's someone in their life who has had a really positive impact on them or who's going through something difficult or who they've just had uh-huh. in their thoughts that they would want Everybody listening to just kind of send positive energy that person's way or, you know. Um, yeah. Um, I have a friend named Ray that uh, he's like one of the best people and his sister just died. 
And um, uh, he, but like Ray, is, he's the executive producer of this week at the Comedy Cellar. He's one of my best friends. He takes comics to Aruba and uh, he, he does these shows in Aruba and he has this place called Aruba Ray's Comedy Club. And uh, everybody kind of makes fun of Ray because he's like, he's literally Quagmire from Family Guy. You know, like he wears, <laughs> he'll wear like a, you know, like a Hawaiian shirt and he's got, you know, like kind of hair, like He's your friend that's like in his 40s and still single and still going on like several dates every night <laughs> you know, or like every week or whatever. And uh, he's kind of a ladies man. He loves to play blackjack. I mean, like, come on, hook a girl up. Yeah, hook a girl <laughs> up with Ray. I mean, Ray is uh, he's one of those guys that I haven't met a girl that meets him that isn't like, I love Ray. Like Ray, Aww. he's just the best. But like. Uh, around comedy, some of the comics will make fun of him for being like a man, you know, a little bit of a man whore or whatever. Uh, but he takes you to Aruba and then he like shows you around the island and he takes you to beaches and he'll go buy you a coconut and then he makes sure you, you get a souvenir. And I realized I was like, I was like, Ray has a lot of sex, right? But Ray also does all this dad stuff. And I was like, I think Ray just wants to be a dad. And like, he's just been trying and trying and trying. <laughs> and, and so it hasn't happened quite yet. Yeah. And then he created this TV show <laughs> so that he could just showcase comics and he kind of takes care of everyone. And so right now Ray's kind of down. So I want to give him a, a, a long distance okay. dedication and say, you know, Ray, I love you. And uh, I hope that some hot girl is helping you not be sad right now. <laughs> I love that. Okay, well, yeah. we'll keep Ray in our thoughts. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for being here today. I loved having you on. This has been so much fun. Thank you so much for having me on. This was a treat, and I love your podcast, and I love you. And Thank you. Uh, thanks for having me up here uh, in the woods. Yeah, no, thanks for coming to hang. And I want to meet Jamie. We gotta, yeah. You got to bring her by next time. I would love that. Absolutely. Thank you. I hope you guys enjoyed part one of my episode with Pete Lee and we'll stick around for part two, which is a little catch up um, where we're gonna discuss the fact that Pete actually contracted coronavirus within a few days of our initial interview and everything that's happened since. So stick around for part two and that begins now. There he is. Hey guys, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing awesome. Oh yeah, I'm gonna just hit record real quick. Yeah. Because now we don't have the assistance of the pros like we yeah. did last time. That's um that's what I've been doing too. I've I've actually been recording a pilot for Comedy Central and I'm like the camera guy and the audio guy because I have to record it from home. And so the whole thing I mean, is has that to the be way that this is gonna go? I well, guess so. Okay. I I wanna talk about that, but just for the listeners, the last time Pete and I spoke was pre-corona. It was like the eve of the pandemic. It was like maybe two days before they shut everything down. And we like we met up with each other. There wasn't even a thought of wearing masks. Everything still felt normal. I mean, I think that coronavirus had not actually reached, maybe it was just getting to New York, but it wasn't really a thing in LA. So we kind of thought it was an exaggeration. Yeah. We just were like, okay, this is normal life. I was thinking about my my stand-up that I was doing pre-corona or like pre the end of everything. And I'm like, I can't even believe that. Like, I was just like, well, there's this big thing. And now it's crazy. I don't know. Well, and yeah. what's even crazier is that at that time, everyone really didn't. So no one knew how yeah. it was really being spread, whether to wear masks, not wear masks, what the period of time, the incubation period wasn't anything. And so everything was kind of a crapshoot at that point. And I remember that shortly after I saw you, you posted <laughs> something to Instagram. Yeah. It was sort of panic inducing. You want to talk about that? Yeah. Um, so we hung out and everything was like, everything was cool. Um, but then probably a few days later, uh, I had to fly to Cincinnati. And then right after that, so I did one of those crazy turns where I flew out to Cincinnati on a red eye. And then I was supposed to do shows there. And then I got there and the health commissioner said that we could only have 25 people in our show. And I was like, I think I'm just going to call this. I'm not doing the weekend like this. Um, I was like, this is, this is absolutely ridiculous. So I got on a plane and I flew home that night and everyone around me was just coughing and like, you know, dry cough land. And this is March 13th and no one's wearing masks. 
and I'm just like, oh my God, I'm getting COVID right now. I'm getting the thing that I'm, tr- I'm flying home to avoid. So I get home and then probably like one or two days later, Jamie and I just start having all the symptoms like fever, dry cough. I don't want to be too graphic, but like, you know, broom problems is like another <laughs> part of it. Uh, <laughs> like you, you don't want to laugh because you're like, <laughs> okay, I got to go. Um, bathroom problems. Okay. We yeah, bathroom problems. That's probably the grossest thing that I've ever talked about <laughs> <laughs> on a podcast. But uh but yeah, so so that dry cough, fever, uh, you know, like all all of the symptoms that they have, like every single one just down the line. And there, you know, there's a part of us that we were like, okay, are we being hypochondriacs? Because you can you can talk yourself into a sore throat, but you can't just talk yourself into having a fever. So or bathroom if, problems. Yeah, or bathroom problems. Like, like that would take like a Gandhi level of meditation <laughs> to be able to just talk your body into doing that involuntarily. So Jamie and I, we were like, all right, we need to get tested for COVID. And by this time, everything's been shut down. LA shut down. The NBA has been shut down. The mayor is on the news uh, every day. And, uh, you know, and the president is making those crazy news conferences and all that kind of stuff. So we're like, all right, we have to get tested for COVID. So we go try to get tested for COVID. They won't let us in the doctor's office. And we're like, okay, this is a first. We've never been sick and then been denied. So our doctor was like, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to help you go to another place. So we had to, we had to get a recommendation from our doctor to go to an urgent care since we had these symptoms. And it felt like like getting into a nightclub or something like welcome to club ER. <laughs> like, 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 Oh my God, I'm so excited that I have a friend that like has an in with this ER <laughs> and we got to go to club ER. You got so hooked up. We got hooked up. So we go to the CR and none of the people are wearing masks. The doctor is like, this is all a hoax. I guess I'll test you, whatever. And he can't test us for COVID. All he can test us for is flu and strep because then that doctor has to make a recommendation for us to go to Cedars. So we had to get a recommendation for recommendation. And to do that, we had to fail the strep and flu tests in order to go to Cedars. So of course, we we fail the flu test, we fail the strep test. So now we're like, oh God, we definitely have COVID. This sucks. How many days in are you at this point? We're probably three or four days into feeling lousy. And when you don't feel good to begin with, it's so hard just to get out of the house and to drive somewhere. And we were like, we actually, it almost was like when you're at a party and two people have been drinking and you're like, who's going to drive us? Like we, like, like one of us has to drive because we couldn't involve an Uber driver because we don't want to get another person sick. And another layer to this is that my girlfriend works in healthcare and two weeks later she had shifts scheduled. So she has, she really has to get tested. So we, um, we fail all the tests at the ER and then we're, we wake up the next day and we go to Cedars and we walk in the door at Cedars. They're like, you can't be in here. Like you have COVID symptoms, you can't be in here. And I'm like, so where, what do we do? And they're like, you got to go to the parking garage where we have pandemic tents set up. And it looked like something from ET, like just these tents with weird ventilation and doctors walking around with shields and every precaution had been taken. And then we're also standing, like we're standing outside at that point in a line full of people that also probably have COVID. So like, we're like, all right, if we don't have it now, we have it. And like, these people are so sick. Like, you know, when you're waiting at the ER and you have like a sore throat and you're sitting next to like arrow through the head guy, like, yes, that's that's how sick all of these people were. Six feet up, and I'm like, six feet is not <laughs> like not enough whatsoever. I'm I'm pretty sure that COVID's not lazy. It's not just going six feet, and it's like yawn. <laughs> but um, <laughs> like, oh my god, I can't go more than six feet. So um, so then we we get admitted into the pandemic tent. Like we have to wait in this line. So again, it's it's like club COVID. Uh, like we got in. All right, we're in. I mean, it just, I haven't actually spoken with anyone who's had to go through these, these steps. And I mean, it, it also, I feel like because you had it right at the onset of it reaching LA. And 
I remember when you finally posted that you, I think you guys had just received your test results or you were waiting for the test results, but I literally have never whipped my calendar out so fast to look at the date that I was last with you. I'm so sorry. It was really fucking close. It was very close. (laughs) It was was March 10th. Yeah. And you flew March 13th and got sick then. So that would have been, so it was three days before I would have contracted it. Yeah, I'm... I am so sorry about that. Well, I, no, I mean, it's not your fault at all. And actually, I was at zero risk when I was with you, as it turns out. Yeah, so. it was, I wasn't feeling any symptoms. But the, that's the thing is that at the time, they were saying there's a two-week window when you could be asymptomatic and shedding it and spreading it. And then now, what everybody's been saying is that it's actually, you start to feel the symptoms pretty much right away, which is what I felt um, here. I don't know if you can see this. So that's like the COVID oh, yeah. tent. This sign right wow. there, that said no pictures. So of course I was like, well, I'm going to die. So why not take some pictures? I, <laughs> I need them. You know, you know, what's funny about this is that I think this is what happens when you have two people who are just positive about everything or like have some kind of lightheartedness and everything is you just can't help it. We got to find something good. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, you always hear about soldiers that are in war and they find things to laugh about. So, I mean, I think, I don't know. I don't, I don't feel like we need to have an obligation right now to, you know, to not find the bright side in COVID, you know, there's, there's a lot of silver linings here, even though it's, it's pretty grim, but. Well, I also think that just laughing through something difficult is, is a coping mechanism, you know? Yeah. I think it's probably the reason for laughter. The reason why our brains do that. It's the ultimate coping mechanism to go, this is super messed up. So I'm going to laugh. I'm going to do the exact opposite. So we go to Club COVID, um, they do the nasal test, which is, I think that's the worst pain that I've ever felt in my head. And I used to be a martial artist. I'm a black belt in Taekwondo. Uh, People probably don't know that because I'm so sweet and friendly. But um, and I also have the inclination to never fight. But that's one of the tenets of Taekwondo is that like, you don't, you don't want to fight, you'd rather run than hurt somebody. Um, But I've been kicked in the head by grown men while sparring and it didn't hurt as much to get kicked in the head as it did to have this thing put in my head. It's a swab like this long. And you're like, I didn't even know that my face was that deep. And this nurse who's just been doing this all day long, who is like, I don't have proper PPE and I don't know what's going to happen to me. She's just like, drain clogging your head with this thing just like all right here uh, and then you have to wait a while because or we had to wait a while because they couldn't figure out in the computer system how to log our tests in because they were so new that uh, that they didn't know how to code it for billing that wasn't supposed to be happening Um, because I don't know if you remember the day before that the president just gave a speech he's like oh and by the way Everything COVID related is free. Congra- free. Congratulations, yep. you guys. And then everyone in the country was like, wait, what? Like, um, we don't know how to do that. And that, like the insurance companies are like, we didn't say that. And the hospitals are like, we also didn't say that. <laughs> and so, so I'm waiting there forever. Uh, and, ja- you know, Jamie, they separated us too, I, that, which is weird. Like we we're in different tents. And mm. so I'm next to this man who is dying like like they by the time I left they had hooked him up to like uh I don't know if ventilators are much smaller they look like a CPAP machine now so they had actually hooked him up to a ventilator next to me and I don't know what the ventilation's like and I'm just sitting there waiting going well if I don't have COVID I definitely have it now were you having trouble breathing yeah I was so I had a dry cough and like my breathing was labored but you know it's it's so weird because when you're sitting at home and you're thinking how bad you are you're like on a scale of 1 to 10 I'm a 10 and then you're sitting next to dying ventilator guy and you're like I guess I'm a 2 you know like and they're asking you they're they're asking you like so on a scale of 1 to 10 and you can't be like oh definitely a 10 <laughs> like, god like definitely a 10. I mean that really puts things into perspective 
Yeah, I was like, I guess it's a two compared to dying ventilator guy. <laughs> oh my god! And uh, um, so they discharge us, and then they before they discharge us, they say, "Hey, by the way, these tests are very new. Um, there's going to be a high probability of error, and it's only going to be like like seventy percent chance that it's accurate." They're like, "Act like you have a false." or a positive anyway. Um, so we just operated like we had it. So we did the two-week quarantine. And while we're doing this, we're, we're calling Cedars every day to be like, do we have the test results back? Like, what do, you know, what do we have? And during this time, we got increasingly sicker or more sick. And then we started to get better. So um, we got to like day 10 of calling them, no results, no results, no results. And Jamie was approaching on her hospital shifts. She's starting to feel a little bit better, but her boss is going, you got to figure out if you have this because we need you to come in. We're short staffed. And that's the state of things. So finally on day 11, they call us and they're like, Hey, good news. You tested negative for COVID. And we're like, Oh, great. So we didn't have COVID, but we also didn't have strep. We also didn't have the flu. So somehow we both had something that's probably viral because uh, it went away with anti- without antibiotics. Yeah, but it's got to be, it has to be COVID. It has to have been COVID. And so we're like, but we also were doing the math on how statistically were we in the position that we both fit into the 30% of error of these tests. So Well, I'll tell you what, one of my good girlfriends just had the, opposite happened where and this was a test she took two weeks ago so we're talking a more advanced test like these these tests are supposed to be more accurate at this point i mean there's been a lot of development done on the tests. yeah relative to what they were at like when you had one and she got a positive test and then they said okay well we're gonna send out two more tests to see what the deal is and but in the meantime you need to act like you have it and so go home and quarantine and then she got the two other tests back and they were both negative so that's really crazy too. Oh. So I feel like you just cannot possibly even know either yeah, way. Yeah, so apparently the tests that we first had, there might have been a problem in the solution that's inside of the tube that made them all faulty. And then I've also heard that it matters if they sit for a long time, the efficacy of the testing goes down. And ours sat for 10 or 11 days. So, um, you know, so that's weird. Yeah, it was all sort of being mishandled at that point, I think. Yeah, I think that the manufacturers just had to roll out stuff so fast that they the quality control on it wasn't super great. So uh, a few weeks later, um, one of our friends who's a doctor got her hands on 100 uh, antibody tests. Mm. And so we were like, okay, so... We, we prick our fingers and we put the blood in the thing and we're like, okay, this is where we find out that we have the antibodies and we're cool. Like we're, <laughs> we're done with this whole thing. And they both came back negative for, uh, yeah, they both came back negative for the antibodies. And then a week later she calls me and she's like, oh my God, I, she was like, I bought a hundred of these tests and now these tests are on the list for the ones that might be faulty. Mm-hmm. And so now we've taken two tests that we have no idea what the deal was. <laughs> You're never going to know. It, you know what it feels like? It feels like one of those gender reveal parties where like every time they pop the balloons and the confetti that comes out is blue, it's just like purple every time. And we're <laughs> like, okay, so it's inconclusive. We invited all of our friends over. We had a party for this. And then now we don't know. But you know what I think is the best actual result or the best kind of test that you guys did was that you went to the pandemic test uh-huh. <laughs> and you did not come out with something else. You know what I mean? You didn't end up sicker. Yeah. You didn't. You know, so I feel like the fact, because if you were in that environment with all those people who for sure did have COVID, that's the biggest test of all because you guys didn't get any different. So you have to have had it. You're so right. We have definitely been in contact in less than six feet away from people that definitely have COVID. And that, yeah, that makes me think that we really did have it. Yeah, I think you did. I really do. I, th- I mean, it just, does, I, I think that 
honestly, even for people who were in the hospital to the level of dying, they were having these issues, you know? Yeah. You, I mean, you hear all the time about people that were tested once they were tested twice, negative, negative, and then they finally tested positive. I'm so sorry that I worried you about that. You certainly don't need to apologize, but it was just kind of funny. Cause when I read your post, I was like, Oh, and no one knew at that point. Cause like you said, the incubation period at that time, they were saying it was 14 days. I was like, I know I am really close. And we were taking pictures together and like fully not six feet apart. We definitely had contact with one another. We were, you know, we were operating in a pre-quarantine world, Caitlin. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It's so different. It truly is so different now. Even when I see good friends at this point, you know, like I've started making my way back to the beach and you Mm -hmm. you see each other and you're just like, hey, what's up? Don't come anywhere near me, you know? Yeah. Um, cause we, we started hanging out with friends again. And have you had that initial like shock when somebody comes too close to you and you're just not used to that? You haven't been used to that for a long time. I think we're becoming very socially awkward. I was just having this conversation with one of my friends last night that we're so out of practice now with social skills because we've been in isolation and away from people that, yeah, it is. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Get away yeah, from me. Like, like, all right, I'm not used to being this close to people. Should I practice with my fridge? All right, I'm going to get close to my <laughs> fridge and pretend like it's my friend Bob. We're <laughs> hanging out with Bob because I don't want to be weird. It's interesting how quickly we pick up those habits though. And you know what else is funny is I was watching a movie recently and the uh, the daughter in the movie had, her mom was giving and she said, hey honey, will you go get my hairspray from the bathroom? And the daughter went, grabbed the hairspray. She's walking back over, goes to hand it to her mom. And I'm like, she's not going to wipe it off with a Lysol wipe. <laughs> she needs some hand sanitizer. Someone get this girl some soap. You know, I'm like... Yeah, and then I'm thinking this movie was made 10 years ago. Why would they be doing that? But that's how quickly it became it, ingrained um, in my yeah, head. Yeah, to use a millennial term, whenever that happens, I, I have the same thing where I'm like, oh, I'm triggered. Like I am, I am so triggered. I've been joking around lately that I feel like an edgy guy because I'm like, I'm like, you know what I did today? I went outside. <laughs> <laughs> I hung out with a friend. It's crazy. <laughs> I, like, uh, so we're moving right now. I don't know if you can see... Um, I see some tape. Yes. Oh, yeah. So I'm painting our new, right now I'm out at our new uh, beach house. So we're, we're moving to a beach house. So we're That's epic. It's so epic. I'm like staring out at the Pacific Ocean right now. And I never thought that in my life, I would live at the ocean. But uh, I don't what a know. dream. Yeah. Uh, wow. Cool. Well, I'm excited for you guys. That's pretty nice, especially right now. And especially considering, I think, social distancing to some degree will still continue through the summer. And like you guys are in a good spot to enjoy that. Yeah, that's what we were thinking is that if we can't really go do stuff and the whole point of living in West Hollywood was for me personally to be close to filming stuff in the industry, to be close to the comedy store and the improv and the laugh factory. But none of those are a thing right now. And yeah, can you talk? You were at before we started, really got into this conversation. You were starting to talk about how you've been shooting. Was it for Comedy Central? You're shooting something? Yeah, I'm shooting. Um, I don't know how much I can say about it, so I'll just mm. I'll keep it minimum. But long and the short of it, I'm doing a show for Comedy Central for uh, the brand Fail Army, and uh, and we're making a pilot for Fail Army. And uh, before, like probably two or three months before the pandemic hit, I auditioned for it. And I know that the audition went really well and I completely forgot about it. And then as soon as the quarantine started and and we went through all that stuff, or once we got healthy, I thought, okay, well now my career went away. Like I used to do stand up, and that's not a thing anymore. And so I've always been a saver. I have money in the bank, but I was like, am I just going to slowly drain through my savings over the course of a year? and then give up and move home and live with my mom in Wisconsin. Like, what are we, what are we going to do? Like, what's the financial plan? And then my manager called and he was like, Hey, you remember that comedy central gig that we totally forgot about? It's a go. And you're the host of it. That's huge. Yeah, I was so excited about it. And I was like, well, but where do we film it? Because that's the thing. They're changing the premise of the show. And the whole premise of the show is that you're just filming it from your home office. Like you used to do stand up. 
now you're doing the show from home and that's I mean that's the you'll, deal. you'll be just as funny from home as you would on the stage I assume yeah. <laughs> Why not, right I think I'm more comfortable I think I think it's way better but the only the only drawback is that I have to operate the cameras. I have to get my sound synced up. I have to, um, there's a program on my computer that helps me monitor my levels. So while I'm doing the thing, I have my producers via Zoom on one computer that are talking to me. I have the writers on another screen. Um, I have sometimes my script either in my hand or on the computer. Wow. Um, Then I'm also monitoring my levels to make sure that I don't peak. So I'm looking for like yellow or red to make sure that that I didn't just blow the take. And then afterwards, I have to take the cards from the camera and the audio and like upload them, which normally via SAG after that's like a whole other person's job just to do the cards and the upload. So um, yeah, that's wild. You're a literal one man show. Yeah. Who would have thought pre Coronavirus, you they would Comedy Central would never have a show entirely produced. And I mean, you're doing every single role. Yeah, I'm the TV production version of like that that one band band with the big drum in front of him and the harmonica and the guitar <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the cymbals and stuff. That's what I'm doing creatively right now. And then I'm also uh, I'm I'm also a producer on the show, and then I'm also the head writer of it. So damn, yeah. So I mean, I guess we're we're just. I mean, this fits with the theme of this podcast. We're looking to we're trying to live on the bright side uh literally the bright side the west side (laughs) we're trying to take this time and take advantage of it and you know better ourselves and i know that not everybody has the opportunity to move somewhere better during the pandemic but we've we've been exercising a ton we've been trying to eat better i I don't know if you can see it on my face but since the last time we talked i've lost 15 pounds which is congratulations yeah it feels great i Jamie and I keep, <laughs> we keep joking around. Uh, she'll be like, babe, you, you're losing so much weight in this quarantine. And I, this is my joke every single time I go, you know, babe, sometimes when you lose everything is when you find yourself. <laughs> <laughs> That's the line that we say back and forth to each other. Like whenever something is going right in the pandemic, we always <laughs> crack each other up saying it. <laughs> hear all this positive stuff that's going on for you because I really wasn't sure because we haven't spoken since you got sick and I didn't know what the latest was but it's good I mean it sounds like things are actually going very well things are going I'm well a COVID survivor yeah and I mean I guess I have a little bit of COVID survivors guilt in that you know things are going well I know that they're not going well for a lot of people um but I guess you know if the whole purpose of life is that we keep positivity you know going and that's kind of the beach ball at the party that we're keeping in the air. I feel like I'm trying to do my part when it comes yeah, to that. Yeah, I love that metaphor too. The beach yeah. Ball. yeah. I, you know, I'm just trying, I'm trying to make lemons out of lemonade, beach ball reference, whatever, whatever <laughs> makes people happy that I'm trying to enjoy things and not mad at me. <laughs> no, I know. I know. I know. It's, I get scared. It's like, if you say, I mean, it is because, because of course we're all aware that there, for some people, this is just really devastating and it's awful and it sucks. And I think you're right. Like there's some kind of fine balance where you just appreciate. I think that's what it is, is like appreciating what you have and yeah, like making the best out of it. It's not about not understanding that other people are struggling, but it's about being grateful for what you aren't experiencing in the moment, you know? That's very well put. And, you know, with, with that, you know, with trying to understand what people are going through and then also living on the bright side of it, I've tried to mitigate that a little bit by, uh, I go and I donate to things. Um, mm-hmm. I, I also feel a little guilty that I'm doing the show and I have income right now. And there's a lot of comedians that don't have money. So there, there's a few funds and charities for comedians and wait staff. And then uh, also I've been selling t-shirts on my website. I don't have it posted on there because I don't know if it was tacky to sell t-shirts, give a portion of the proceeds to doctors and nurses who need PPE. Um, so like, I haven't said that on the website. I haven't said it when I've advertised the t-shirts. We've just been given the money. Oh, I guess that's I'm saying, sweet. I guess I'm saying it now. So I'm, I don't know if I'm virtue signaling or whatever they say that is. <laughs> um, uh, but, we'll, we'll let but, it slide this time. <laughs> yeah. But if anybody wants to buy a Snugglestorm t-shirt on snugglestorm.net, uh, they can 
they can go get one. They're really cute. We have a bunch it kind of sounds like the perfect t-shirt to have right now while we're all stuck at home too. Yeah. Well, I was thinking that that was another thing that I did in quarantine is I, I, um, I designed new merch with, uh, you know, with my graphic designer and we got one of the t-shirts is like two snuggling tigers. And cause I was like, snuggle storm is like the purpose, like storms are bad. Right. And then snuggling is good. So it's kind of a, ju- <laughs> a juxtaposition in the brand for snuggle storm. And so we were like, all right, tigers are dangerous, but when they're snuggling, they're cute. That's storm. <laughs> so we have tiger cute. t-shirts and then we have, we have this new logo that looks like, it looks like super metal, you know? Yeah. And um, so yeah, if hardcore. people want to go buy one of those. Yeah. Hardcore. A hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> so if people want to go buy one of those shirts, um, uh, it goes to a good charity that my t-shirt guy. That's awesome. Uh, I love that. Um, so we're trying, I'm trying to help out. Yeah. You're doing guess, it. You're doing everything right. I think you're doing everything right. You're doing everything right, Caitlin. Oh, God, I don't know about that. (laughs) (laughs) We shall see. Here's what I love. I love all of your Instagram posts because they're all, they're happy in this time. Like we need brightness and you're, you can see that you're, you're enjoying things during this time and you're trying to bring joy to people. And I think that's, that's the key. You have such a sunny Instagram. I mean, I try to keep it that way because... I certainly don't always feel super happy or sunny. I was actually just talking with my therapist about this. I'm like, is it okay that I do a show about optimism, but I don't always feel optimistic? <laughs> but you know what the thing is, is it is that it's not about always being optimistic. It's just about trying to find those you know, right moments or try, knowing that things are always going to get better. And I think that it, it's never going to hurt to ha- be putting positivity out there. So yeah. that's kind of what I try to do. You know, I, d- I don't want to be contributing to bringing anyone down. That's for sure. So. Yeah. Even when things are their most bleak, you need mm-hmm. to realize that the thing that the thing that you have to look forward to is the unknown. Like we're all, we're so scared of the unknown. And I, I hate to sound like one of those shamans that's like, look into the crystals and embrace the unknown. But- <laughs> no, but I, I thrive in the unknown. That's actually one of my favorite place positions to be in. That was my favorite part about getting, being single, becoming single is I was like, I don't know what the hell is going to happen with my life right now. And I am so excited about that. I'm glad I don't know who I'm going to date. I'm glad I don't know exactly what I'm going to do for work. I don't know where I'm going to live. I don't know who I'm going to be friends with. And it could be anything. Like it could, could be so sick. Yes. Oh my God. Anything can happen. <laughs> anything can happen. I love that. It's so good. Um, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for having me on again. So good to talk to you. Oh, thank you. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Talk to you soon, Caitlin. All right. Bye. Bye. 